Welcome to KathleenWitten.org. We believe that Kathleen's message will inspire you, encourage you, and give you a fresh perspective on life. Now, here's Kathleen. We left off talking about the miracles of Jesus, and we finished talking about Jesus turning the water into wine, and his second miracle is just is amazing. And, you know, it's interesting as you look at this, not only to look at the historical context, but also to look at why did Jesus do this as the second miracle. And, and just to be asking yourself that, because there's no perfect answer to that, it's just that the Holy Spirit so speaks to us when we study the Word of God. And so I just want us to read, first of all, this miracle in John 4:46, I'll read it to you. So Jesus came again to Cana of Galilee, where he had made the water wine. And there was a certain nobleman whose son was sick at Capernaum. And when he heard that Jesus had come out of Judea into Galilee, he went to him and implored him to come down and heal his son, for he was at the point of death. And then Jesus said to him, Unless you people see signs and wonders, you will by no means believe. The nobleman said to him, Sir, come down before my child dies. And Jesus said to him, Go your way. Your son lives. So the man believed the word that Jesus spoke to him, and he went away. And as he was going down, his servants met him and told him, saying, Your son lives. Then he inquired of them the hour that he got better, and they said to him, Yesterday at the seventh hour the fever left him. So the father knew that it was at the same hour in which Jesus said to him, Your son lives. And he himself believed, and his whole household. This again is the second sign Jesus did when he had come out of Judea. John 4, 46, 54, I'm looking at the new King James Version, and I want us to stop at each section and look at it. And, you know, I can get off on bunny trails and tangents because I love history, and I love to look at where did this come from, and what does this mean, and what is that word in the Greek, and how does that fit in, and why did Jesus make this a second miracle, and what was he thinking, what were they thinking? And, you know, I'm going to try to just go down the road that God would have for us this morning, and if you'll pray for me to do that, I would so appreciate it. Um, but this is so amazing just to see who is this man in John 4.46 whose son is sick. If you look at John 4.46, it says, So Jesus came into Cana of Galilee where he made the water wine. So this is the same place where he had his first miracle. And so guess what? They've heard of Jesus because they heard about the wedding. And there was a certain nobleman whose son was sick. And I want you to know there that nobleman in the Greek, right there in the language, means basilikos, which means king's man. So this was the king's man. And that word in the Greek, basilikos, reminds me so much of basilica. I remember going to Italy with Lacey, and basilica are these, these buildings, these these Catholic cathedrals in Rome, and, and it comes from the same word as the king's man. It comes from the same word as this nobleman. I remember being in Italy and saying, I cannot go to not one more basilica. And, and I know going on trips with my dad when I was little, you know, we'd go through buildings and museums and never, never go to a museum with my dad because you're going to see every floor, you're going to see every painting, every statue. And I remember just going berserk. 
And so it's just neat to look at the Greek language and the richness of the Word of God. It's so fun. And to realize that nobleman means, or actually it is in the Greek, basilikos, and that that is where we get our word basilica. And I just get so excited about that. It's so interesting. It's interesting to me, too, to see that um, the one basilica that we saw was St. Peter's Basilica in Italy, and that is supposedly a basilica built over where Peter was martyred. And if you remember, Peter was martyred on the cross upside down. He requested to be upside down because he didn't feel himself worthy to be crucified like his Savior. And there lies the Basilica of St. Peter's. I know this is going on a tangent a little bit, but it's interesting to me that historians believe that Peter was martyred in 64 A.D. And as I was researching this, I kept seeing C.E. instead of A.D. But I thought, what is that? And I just want you all to be aware of how the world is trying to change the truth about Jesus Christ, and we need to know it. Otherwise, we're not going to be able to teach our children and our grandchildren the truth. And CE is being used a lot in colleges instead of AD, instead of after death, instead of Anno Domini, which means in the year of the Lord, we have CE, which is called the Common Era. Be aware. So anyway, we look at this nobleman and he's the officer of the state in the service of Herod. And I want you to see something really interesting that's really, really cool. Historians believe his name to be Chuza, that's C-H-U-Z-A. And he served Herod. And if you all remember Herod Antipas, he was the tetrarch. He was the king there in that region. And he was very vile. He was very um, silly also. If you remember, he was the king that beheaded John the Baptist. This nobleman served that king in this region. And he was the one that mocked Jesus. If you look in Luke 23, 8, it says that, you remember Pilate sent Jesus to Herod? And, and when they were, when the, all the, the people were roused up to crucify Jesus, they sent him to Pilate, and Pilate didn't want to deal with it, so he sent him to Herod, saying, well, you know, you're king the region. And in Luke 2, 8, it says, When Herod saw Jesus, he was greatly pleased, because for a long time he had been waiting to see him, and from what he had heard about him, he hoped to see him perform some miracle. He plied him with many questions, but Jesus gave him no answer. Kind of a good lesson to us sometimes when somebody ridiculous or vile or evil is plying you with many questions, you don't have to answer. Jesus didn't. The chief priest and the teachers of the law were standing there vehemently accusing him, and Herod and his soldiers ridiculed and mocked him, dressing him in an elegant robe. They sent him back to Pilate. That day, Herod and Pilate became friends. Before this, they had been enemies. Thus saith the Lord. You know, here's this nobleman serving this wicked, wicked king. But his son is sick. And he heard that Jesus at a wedding turned the water to wine. And he thought, I'm going to him. You know, we would do that for our kids. 
If we had the solution or the answers, we would do anything. And that's what this Roman nobleman is doing, or this nobleman. If you go to verse 47, it says, When he, the nobleman, we know his name is Chusa, heard that Jesus had come out of Judea into Galilee, he went to him and implored him to come down and heal his son, for he was at the point of death. And then Jesus said to him, Unless you people see signs and wonders, you will by no means believe. You know, God says he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And I think Jesus still says that to us. Unless you see signs and wonders, you're not going to believe. You know, it doesn't take any faith if you see miracles all the time to believe in Jesus Christ. It takes faith when you don't see, when you don't hear, when you have to wait, that's when it takes faith. That's why Isaiah 41 says that those that wait upon the Lord, He will renew their strength. They will mount up like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not grow faint. Our strength is renewed. Our faith is renewed when we wait, but it doesn't take any faith to have tons of miracles and performances. That is not what God is about. But Jesus does do miracles. But we can't put our faith in the miracles. We have to put our faith in God and in Jesus and His timing. That's going to be huge. Even in this second miracle, God's timing. The nobleman said to him, verse 49, Sir, come down before my child dies. And Jesus said to him, Go your way. Your son lives. So the man believed the word that Jesus spoke him and he went his way. You know, that is the most significant thing for me out of that entire teaching. It is huge. It speaks to me because so often we go to God in prayer. We go to God in a request. And we can see His answer in the Word. We can see his answer, or we have a knowing in our heart, I heard you. He hears us. He's our Father. And yes, we're supposed to be persistent in prayer, but we're supposed to be persistent in faith and prayer, not persistent in fear and prayer. And there's a difference. And this nobleman heard the word of Jesus Christ when Jesus said, Go your way, your son lives. Verse 50, it says, The man believed the word that Jesus spoke, and he went his way. That is so good. That gives me permission to believe the word that Jesus spoke and go my way. I can retire from being God. I've tried for years to be my husband's Holy Spirit. I think I revealed that to you not too long ago. I mean, and it's very, it's a huge job for one thing. It's huge, it's giant. And also, I was my children's Holy Spirit. You know, we do that. We want to tell God what it is that we need and then we want to keep going after it in fear or in our own control. And this nobleman heard the word of God, Jesus Christ, and he went his way. I love that. Verse 51. 
And as he was now going down, his servants met him and said, saying, Your son lives. And then he inquired of them the hour that he got better. And they said to him, Yesterday at the seventh hour, the fever left him. And verse 53 says, So the father knew that it was at the same hour in which Jesus said to him, Your son lives. And he himself believed in his whole household. You know, that's what's so incredible that we do not seem to understand that when we put our trust in God and we believe over and over in the Word, it says, and the household, and the whole household, and the whole household. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Proverbs tells us, raise up a child in the way in which he will go, and when he is old, he will not depart from it. We need to trust God with our children, with our grandchildren, with generations. And you can see that this one nobleman who heard the word of God, believed Jesus Christ, took him at his word, and went his way, he believed because Jesus did perform what he said he was going to do in his own timing at the seventh hour. And that's so key. It was in the timing of Jesus. And his whole household believed. Isn't that good? Jesus' timing is not always our timing, and that is true. You know, I, I heard this, and I think it's so true, and it's so applicable that God is never late, but he's never early either, and I wish he would be. Let's see where we left off. This father believed, and it's interesting to me in verse 53 that it says, at the same hour in which Jesus said. You know, God does have a timing. God has a timing. And even when we can't see it, see, the nobleman couldn't see his son get better. And when you pray for something, you can't always see it happening. Many times when we pray, it's like a seed that goes deep underneath the ground. And it's planted. It's planted in faith. And we need to water it with the Word. We need to water it with praise. We need to have the Son, Jesus Christ, shine His light upon it. But we can't always see what's happening with that seed. We can't always see what's happening with that prayer that we prayed. But something is happening. Why? Because the Word never returns void. Ever. Our prayers never return void. And what we need to do is we need to quit digging up the seed to see what's happening just because we can't see. We need to trust that God's Word, that our prayers, that what Jesus said will come to pass. Now, I want you to see something really, really, really neat here because it says in verse 53 that he, Chusa, believed in his whole household. And I want you to see something that's really incredible that if you want to reference back to Luke 8, verses 2 and 3, if you have your Bible, Chusa had a wife and her name was Joanna. And the Greek word for Joanna is... The meaning is Jehovah is a gracious giver. And I just think that's so beautiful. My mother-in-law's name is Joanne. Jehovah is a gracious giver, and she is the most precious giving woman that I know, besides my mom. But this is what's so neat. If you look in Luke 8, I want you to see something that is so cool and how, how God multiplies things. When one person believes a child is healed, when one person believes a household is saved, when one person believes 
their spouse is changed forever. But we have to believe Jesus, take him at his word, and go our way, just like the noblemen. In Luke 8, it says, It came to pass afterward that Jesus went through every city and village, preaching and showing the glad tidings of the kingdom of God. And the twelve were with him, that's the disciples, and, verse 3, Joanna, the wife of Chusa, Herod's steward, who ministered unto him with her substance. Isn't that amazing? I mean, I read that in Luke 8, and I'm like, yeah, Herod's steward chooses wife named Joanna. Who in the world is that? That is the wife of the nobleman who Jesus healed her son. This is the second miracle of Jesus. Can you see the multiplication there? When we do something for someone's child, when we do something for someone, the multiplication is so amazing and so exciting. Lacey and I received an email recently that is probably the most incredibly special email that we have ever received. And sometimes you don't know the end of the story or even the middle of the story, and you have to trust God. And there was a young man in high school that we loved and and poured our life and time into along with some others, but those are seeds you plant, and then you're never really sure 100% after putting in the Word of God, well, what happens? And we got this email. I just want to read it to you. I'm not going to read you his name, but it's from him and... The subject is his family, and it says, Here's ten things I'm truly grateful to God for with the Witten family. Kathleen, number one, for coming to speak at Curios at Alma Heights High School in 1991. Number two, Kathleen and Lacey, thank you for treating me like family when I was a teenager. I'll never forget the love you shared with me. Number three, Kathleen, the trip you led to Quaker Ridge, Colorado in the summer of 1992 was where I learned what it truly meant to repent and follow hard after Christ. Lacey, that job you helped me get with the, I'm not going to say the name of the family, back in the summer of 93 was really neat, and I'll never forget that summer. Number five is to the O'Neill family for treating me like family that beautiful Saturday in Stonewall back in the fall of 92. Number six is Kathleen and Lacey, thanks for showing me what a marriage centered around Christ could be like. Number seven, thanks for praying for my future wife, when I was in high school and college, I want to stop right here and tell you something. This is a football player, a really incredibly neat young man, and he had a hard situation, and I'm going to share what it is because I'm not going to share his name. His dad divorced his mom and chose an alternative lifestyle. That's hard for any kid. And I don't care what your opinion is on that. It's just hard. And I know his dad who loves him would admit that it is hard. And I want to continue to read what his life turned out to be because it could have gone either way. But see, God wants us to love other people and to trust that when we plant seeds in others, the harvest is so bountiful. I look at the seed that Jesus planted in this nobleman with his family and the multiplication through generations. Number eight, thanks for being a reference for me when I got out of the army and went into business. Number nine, thanks for setting an example. Number ten, 
most of all, thank you for being a beloved brother and sister in Christ. I've been married to my wife for eight years. We have a little girl who's five, her name is, and an 18-month-old son, and his name is. My wife is a group leader for, and he names the Bible study in the city that they live. And then his last sentence is, God continues to bless my ability to provide for my family in my business, and our cup overflows. I mean, I'm humble beyond words. Humble beyond words. The second miracle of Jesus to me, more than anything else, points us not only in a direction for taking Jesus Christ at His word and going our way, but for us also to be like Jesus and to do something for someone else and and plant love in them. Pour your hearts into them. You know, it's interesting that there's this thing in the Bible called sowing and reaping, and it's a spiritual law that holds fast, just like physical laws. And I've explained it this way a million times, but I'll say it again. I mean, we understand physical laws. We know gravity. We know that if you went to the top of this building and you jumped off, you're going to regret it, right? Well, spiritual laws are more valid and more certain than physical laws. Why? Because the spiritual world created the physical world. God is a spirit, and he said, let there be light, let there be, and the world was created. So spiritual laws are in effect and stronger than physical laws, and there's a spiritual law that says, whatever you sow, you will reap. And I just think it's so exciting, not only for us to sow into the lives of others, but to reap an email like that, to reap joy, and, 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 and to know that our family reaps what we sow as well. I just want to encourage you today as we close, not just to pray for yourself, not just to pray for your own family. You know, even in, in, in this example with Girls Dare to be Rare, we have mothers of boys helping. Why? Because they want to sow into the lives of others. It's not just about them. Sometimes our Christian life, we come here and we hear the word and we want to apply it to our lives and we want to be healed, we want to be changed, we want to be lifted up. But God says it's not just about you. Also, give to others. And give what you need. Because if you give what you need, that's what you get in return. If you need encouragement, give encouragement. Whatever you need, give. And Jesus was just this awesome example of this constant, constant outflow of love and miracles. And, and, and then I think, why was it that only three years of ministry, only three years on this earth, age 30 to 33, he did ministry, and he changed the world, and he's still changing the world. And it's because he sowed such seeds of love. So two things today from this miracle. Take Jesus at his word and go your way like the nobleman. And trust that God and his word will change your family, just like Chusa. And number two, so give into the lives of others, just like Jesus did. He wasn't just all about his schedule, like I can be sometimes. Anybody else like that? Type A, all about your schedule. You know, I mean, sometimes it's really funny, too, what happens. And I remember a couple years ago, she will not be named, 
she's not in this room, good friend of mine, she was like, you know, Kathleen, I just really want to do something for the Lord. I said, great! You know, I didn't have a ministry then or I would have put her to work right away. Let me tell you, you don't tell me something like that and not expect to get a job. Right, Ann Bagnall? So, I said, well, what do you think it is? She said, I don't know. She said, I just really don't know. I just know that I feel called to do something for God and and I just have been praying, praying, God, reveal to me what it is that you want me to do. And I was at her house, and we were just standing around, and that was before we had kids, and we stood around <laughs> it was a long time ago. <laughs> and the phone rang, and it was a certain church, which will be unnamed as well, and they needed, really needed help in the Sunday school program. And I heard her say, you know, I just really am not interested. Thank you very much, and hung up. And I thought... Hello? You know, sometimes we get so busy in our schedule that we don't even see the opportunity to give, to sow into someone else. And I look at Jesus. He was so busy. Do you not think being the Son of God is busy? I mean, he's got to pour his life. He knows that he has a short period of time. He's got to pour his life into these 12 men who can't even talk right, and they're fighting among themselves, and... They want to be first and, you know, Peter's running around, open his mouth all the time. I love Peter. <laughs> anyway, and I mean, you know, John's saying, oh, I'm the one that you love, I'm the disciple you love. You know, and here he is, he's so busy. And yet a nobleman comes up and needs healing for his son. Can I talk to you about my son? And he doesn't go, you know what, I just really don't have time to deal with you. <laughs> Sorry. See, what if someone came up to you today and said, can I just have a minute with you? Would you automatically just be like, oh my gosh, how can I get out of this? Or would you be like, Lord, is this an opportunity for me to sow? Is this an opportunity for me to give? Looking, looking, looking. Who can I give to? If you want the richest, fullest life, be a giver like Jesus. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you for this second miracle in your word. I thank you that, first of all, you healed that boy. I thank you that it is by your stripes that we are healed. And we are to pray for healing for one another. The book of James says, if any of us are sick, we are to go to the elders of the church, be anointed with oil, ask forgiveness for our sins. We are to pray for healing. Father, I thank you, though, that the meaning is is deeper as we also are to be like the nobleman, Chusa, and we are to believe your word, take you at your word, and go our way. And thirdly, Lord, I thank you, Father, that you are speaking to us this morning to be like Jesus. Yes, to have a direction. Yes, to be hearing from God. But to always, always be open to the opportunity to help someone else to pray for someone else, to talk to someone else, to spend time with someone else. Lord, I know we can't do that with everyone. We have to have balance. We have to hear from the Holy Spirit. But I pray that you would speak to us every single day. What is it that you would have me do? That should be our prayer. We pray that today. In Jesus' name, amen. We hope that you've enjoyed Kathleen's message. 
To order a copy of this and other messages, please call us in San Antonio, Texas at 210-822-5500 or toll free outside the San Antonio area, 877-397-7773. That's 1-877-397-7773. Visit our website, KathleenWitten.org, K-A-T-H-L-E-E-N-W-H-I-T-T-E-N.org. Thank you.